This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome to the Thursday edition of Game Misconduct. I am Don LaGreca. While the Avalanche are on the verge of their first cup in 21 years, a 3-2 overtime victory to take a 3-1 series lead over Tampa. I mean, so much to get into here. But let's get into what was really forgotten last night, and that is the amazing play by Nazem Kadri to get what eventually would be the game-winning goal. And I know he's not your favorite player, all the antics in Toronto, all of the suspensions, all the dirty play, but he's kind of become a sympathetic figure in Colorado, and he's become really a star and he's so appreciated there. He's become a fan favorite in Colorado. And, and boy, how good has he been since coming back from the injury. And what a tremendous individual effort to score the goal. That should not be lost. What also should not be lost is how dominant the Avalanche were. Let's remember, once upon a time, they were down 2-1 to one going into the third period. Twice all year did Tampa lose a game when leading going into the third period, once in the regular season, once in the postseason. This team does not blow leads. Avalanche find a way to tie it, kind of a fluky goal, goes off a of Cogliano, but it's just a great uh, effort by, Strong, um, by Sturm, and they get the tying goal. Tampa does what they can, but as the game wore on, you started to see the lightning. I think all these games have really piled up. The long rest that the Avalanche had, you're starting to see now and you're probably going to see it where this could come to an end tomorrow where they're just well-rested, they're younger, they've played less games not just this year but in years past, and it's starting to catch up with the lightning here, and it leads to the overtime goal. Now, let's get to what happened, all right? First of all, not since the Kane goal in the 2010 Stanley Cup Final had we seen anything like that. If you remember the Flyers and the Blackhawks, Kane scores in Game 6 in overtime to win the Blackhawks' first Stanley Cup in 40 years. Or actually, it was probably yeah, 50 years, actually. And just an amazing moment that no one knew except Kane. Now, I was in the building that night. Actually did the Michael K show, got off at 7 o'clock, jumped in my car, drove to Philadelphia, got there for like the start of the second period, hung around and, and got to you know be on the ice. It was really kind of a fun time um, to see the Blackhawks win their first Stanley Cup. And that's how I got to know Kevin Chevaldeoff, who was the assistant general manager of the Blackhawks at the time, and me and Dan Grassa and EJ Raddick got to hang out on the ice with the Cup. It was fun. But... The point is, is that no one knew. Doc Emmerich didn't know on NBC. Layton didn't know the goaltender. None of the Flyers, none of the Blackhawks knew. And then Kane starts celebrating and like flying towards center ice, throwing his gloves in the air. Before I thought he scored a goal, I thought, is he being attacked by bees? What's the matter with him? He was the only one that saw it go in. Here's the difference between that and then 12 years later, what happened last night. No one knew it went in. No one. (laughs) There was nobody. Eventually, it was figured out when the puck is stuck at the top of the net. But at the moment, no one knew. Sean McDonough didn't know. Ray Ferraro didn't know. I I think it was Niskushkin who was like there trying to slapping at a a goaltender who didn't have the puck. Vasilevsky thought he had the puck. Like nobody. It was just so weird. No one knew. And then eventually... It wasn't even anything really to review. There's the puck. The puck is stuck at the top of the net, but nobody saw it. And when you look at the replay, you see that it went in, but in real-time action, I defy anyone to tell me that they thought that puck went in. 
So you can't kill Sean McDonough. You can't kill the officials. I don't. I don't. What here's here's a problem with. Um, and I wish the NHL would change this, but unfortunately, it's financial. When I was growing up, and I don't even know if there's an arena in the NHL that does this anymore. the The person that works the the goal light would be situated directly behind the net in like a little glassed enclosure away from the fans and would be able to 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 hit it and now they're up in the rafters so sometimes the, you got fans that got a better look and so many times and i call games you know all year where you really rely on the goal light to come on and the red light doesn't come on and, and clearly it was a goal and you start to second guess yourself because the person that's supposed to be manning that doesn't have the greatest angle in the world. I wish they would go back to having the guys behind the net to have a better angle, and I'm sure if they did uh, in Tampa last night that somebody, the light would have went on indicating that a game-winning goal was scored. It's it's one of the great moments that we've seen in the NHL in a long time, a great individual effort by Kadri, a great goal, gives Colorado a 3-1 series lead, and there's no, there's no record of it because there's no call. I don't know. I didn't get the chance to see how it was reacted on radio. We'll get EJ on next week, how he called it internationally um, or how it was called in the CBC or whatever, but I but I don't know. And no one knew. It was just really, really incredible. And now we get to the second layer, and that's after the game. when And this is happening all the time now, and, and covering the Rangers, it's happened for them, it's happened against them. We saw it happen to the Islanders last year where – there's too many men on the ice. Somebody goes back and they count up the players. And I don't know if they changed it. I, I, I saw last night, somebody tweeted out last night, Anthony, Anthony Pusick, who is our um, very capable producer here on Game Misconduct, alerted me that on the game-winning goal, it's got Colorado with uh, seven players counting the goaltender. One, two, three, four. But they, they changed that, and I guess they removed one of them. I don't know if it was doctored or whether the original box score had seven players counting the goaltender. They certainly changed it on the website once yeah, they, this was all said and done. Right, so it obviously got changed because the call wasn't made. Now, I've looked at stills. I've looked at the video. No one knew, okay? And so that's why I'm kind of dubious about these things. When you go back and you check it out, and too many men on the ice, goals should be disallowed. Correct me if I'm wrong, but when when the game was over, you know, John Cooper was disappointed his team uh, lost the game, and they, they they exit stage right, and the game is over. I didn't hear him or see him. I could be wrong, but at least what I saw on ABC last night, I did not see. Anthony can jump in and correct me if I'm wrong. Any engagement with the officials, any complaining that there were too many men on the ice, no one knew. First of all, nobody knew the goal was scored, so I don't think anybody knew there were too many men on the ice. So then you find out later that Colorado had six skaters. And you look at the stills, somebody didn't get off the ice. That might have been McKinnon. And this is John Cooper's reaction. John, how disappointing was it to get out of that first period with just one goal? And did that push maybe take a little bit out of you as that game went on? Um, I don't know. I, I, uh, I thought we had a really strong first. We had the lead. Um, you know, I love this league. It's uh, it's the greatest league in the world. The people that run it are amazing. Everything about it, it's it's like a dream come true for me. Especially being a Canadian kid growing up and everything that's gone on. And a lot of times when you're uh, 
you know, I've been part of some heartbreaking losses and, and defeats to, to teams that that took us out and been with a group that just fights and fights and fights and they fought their way to to a third Stanley Cup final in a row. And in a cap era when when it's so damn hard and the r rules are put against you because you know, the, the league wants parity. And I love that about the league. And that's what makes it tougher. And this, just watch this team, what they've gone through and the battling that's gone on. And, and we're all in this together. Players, coaches, refs, everybody. But it just, it just this one's, this one's going to sting much more than others just because I think it was taken on, it was potential, I don't know. I, it's hard for me. This is going to be hard for me to speak. I'm going to have to speak. I'll speak with you tomorrow. You're going to see what I mean when you see the winning goal. And I, my heart breaks for the players because we probably still should be playing. Um, I'll be available tomorrow. Now, of this recording, which is just before 1 o'clock Eastern time, we have not heard from John Cooper. So um, we'll see what he has to say today. And it might be something you've already heard if you're listening to this podcast a little bit later on in the day. Give me a break. Give me a break. Now, this is coming from somebody that likes John Cooper. I think he's the best coach in sports right now. But give me a break, will you please? First of all, if it's strategic, which I lean towards it being, because he's such a smart coach, what kind of strategy is it? Your team's still alive. They're going to Denver. They still could win the Stanley Cup. It's going to be hard. But you're not dead. The series isn't over yet. And you're, you're crying the blues like something was taken away from the Lightning. They haven't lost yet. So if I'm, if I'm the Lightning and I, I hear those words said getting on the plane to Denver, I feel like I'm flying to a funeral. So if you're going to be upset about the too many men on the ice, you rip the officials, get mad, get angry. Hopefully it fires up the team for Game 5 tomorrow. Don't sit there, borderline tears like somebody died. Stop it. On top of that, you got outshot 10-3 in overtime. You were completely dominated. It was inevitable. So it kind of stinks the game isn't still going on, but give me a break. You were getting dominated in overtime, dominated in overtime. Your team was exhausted. And if he did find a way to win the game, tie it at two, do you still believe that Tampa's going to win this series based on how they played in the third period in overtime? So all you got robbed of, and I give him credit for that, was a continuation of play. But you still, it wasn't like you were the, the, the ice was tilted and you had ten shots to their three, and then out of nowhere, Kadri's got a semi-breakaway and scores, and it's like, oh my God, you took it away from us. We we're going to win that game in overtime. If you were betting, what were the odds that Tampa was going to win that game in overtime the way Colorado was playing? And on top of that, did you know at the time we're going to sit there and dissect how many players are on the ice? It had nothing to do with the goal. Now, by the letter of the law, if it was seen by the officials, and the officials last night were Wes McCauley, one of the best in the business, Kelly Sutherland, also very good, then they would have blew the whistle. It would have been a penalty for too many men on the ice. That I will grant you. But don't make it seem like it didn't, it didn't have anything to do with the goal. And those things do happen, and those things do get missed. Don't wax by, I love this league, and I love being this and that, and I'm Canadian, blah, blah, blah. All right, well, where are, are you getting at? So you love the league so much, so give them a break. It got missed. It happens. 
Just like you circumvented the cap for two years. You were whacking Igor Shesterkin during the course of the playoffs. Hey, that's the way it goes. You don't think you benefited from calls over the last two and a half years? You don't think you caught a break here or there? Give me a break already. Stop it. Stop it. You're, you're better than this. You are. I'm not just saying that for the sake of saying it. I'm being honest. You're better than this. Oh, my God. Like somebody died. Your team lost. They blew a lead in the third period. Colorado was the better team in overtime. But you're still alive. You're still going to Denver. I put nothing past this Lightning's team. They're like zombies. They keep coming back. Would you be shocked if there's a game six on Sunday? I don't think they're winning the series now, but I didn't think they were winning the series to start with. But now we're going to make this all about a missed call. Two men on the men on the ice is the reason why you lost the series, and and that's disrespectful to Jared Bednar and the Avalanche, who were the better team in this series that deserved to be up three one. And you're going to paint a whole scenario that the league robbed you of a chance to win Game Four, and that's why the Avalanche are going to win the Stanley Cup. And you're going to cry about it? Don't even get mad. If you got mad about it, I'd understand. But to sit there like borderline tears, I, I'd, I'd find it very difficult if I was Stamkos or Kucherov or Hedman or Vasilevsky to look at John Cooper and feel like that that's a rallying cry. Don't feel bad for us. We dug our own hole. Let us get out of it. You don't get out of it by crying the blues. You get out of it by trying to pull yourself up from the bootstraps, be mad about it, use it as motivation, and go out there, go to Denver, and beat the avalanche. But to sound like you're about to cry about it and don't want to talk about, well, oh, look at it. Oh, yeah, I looked at it. I watched the replay. I didn't see it. I, I needed to get up the next morning and look at still photos, count the players, Oh, you're watching it out. Did anybody see it live? Did it have anything to do with the play? I mean, you're better than this, brother. You're John Cooper. You're one of the best coaches in sports. Your team is in a third consecutive Stanley Cup final. First time a team has been able to do that in 40 years. Won 11 straight series. Only two teams in the history of the NHL have ever won more consecutive series. And you're going to go out like this? I can't talk right now. We'll talk tomorrow. Oh, my God. That's just weak sauce, man. Weak. And if it's a strategy, it's even weaker. You, how is that a rallying cry? Now, I don't think Tampa needs it. They see they're facing elimination the same way they did against Toronto. The same way, not facing elimination, but being down two games to none to the Rangers. They'll, they'll find a way to muster it. And if they're good enough, they'll win. If they're not, they won't. But do not have, and I'm no Avalanche fan. I'm no Kadri fan. I'm not sitting here trying to wax poetic about the Avalanche. I'm just trying to be fair. I'm neutral. I really don't care who wins. I picked the Avalanche to win in seven. I got all the respect in the world for Tampa and even more respect for John Cooper. But how unfair would that be if the, if the theme is going to be too many men on the ice in game four as if it's like the whole goal against Dallas and Buffalo that it's going to be talked about in Tampa for years? Oh, we could have won three straight Stanley Cups if it wasn't for the two men in the ice. Stop it. You were going to lose that game. I would have bet any amount of money you were going to lose that game. It was inevitable. Pick them. Don't compare it to you got robbed. You're still alive. You're still playing. Buffalo couldn't answer after the whole goal. 
It was a BS call. The series was over. I didn't hear Lindy Ruff cry. And I'm supposed to feel bad for Tampa? You won two straight Stanley Cups. You circumvented the cap, for God's sakes. Let's not forget about that. Again, they didn't break any rules, but give me a break. I, I really, I, I'm really shocked. When I saw that, I was flabbergasted last. Flabbergasted. First of all, I didn't expect it coming because I didn't know there were too many men on the ice. But the reaction, I was, the goal, the unmitigated goal to get emotional about it. Get mad. Turn over a table. Scream about the league. It, 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 it still wouldn't be right to do that, but at least you're showing me something. To get emotional? Oh, and, and I just, I don't know how Jared Bednar feels about it. I don't know how the Avalanche feel about it. But I, it's disrespectful. You got outshot 10 to 3 in overtime. God, you got to be better than that, man. Got to be better than that. God, I wish we could take calls right now on the podcast to get like the reaction to what I'm saying here. I'd love to have a Lightning fan defend this. I just wish people could find out how you really felt about the situation. I, I, Anthony, am I wrong? I Man, I respect John Cooper. He's a fab, maybe the best coach in sport. I'm, I cannot believe that reaction with a series that's still going on. Well, you also take a look at, and TMKS Burner tweeted me last night because, of course, I retweeted the. Um, the game sheet that was printed out that showed that there were seven guys on the ice for Colorado. You take a look at the goal fletch angle, which is that back camera angle everybody loves ESPN use so much, and you'll see there's two guys by Tampa's bench too. I think they had seven, and I think Colorado had I forget who was on the was near the bench. But like you said, Don, it, it really didn't affect the play. Uh, the thing that confused me the most was that nobody knew where the puck went. I know it's it's one of the great unusual things that I've ever seen. That's why we watch sports, because you can't can't possibly prepare for that. You can't possibly think that you're going to see something like that. But then on top of it, the react... I'm really... I, I'm at a loss. I'm really at a loss for this. But other things are going on. Paul Maurice is the new head coach of the Florida Panthers. Much to the chagrin of my producer and basically all of the hockey world, which I'm kind of taken aback by, because the general consensus seems to be that you you kind of just went after a retread. I like Paul Maurice. Now maybe I'm biased, but I I really have always been a fan of his. I think the job he did in Winnipeg was was great. Remember, he, it wasn't that long ago he took him to a conference final, the Winnipeg Jets in a conference final. Went to a Stanley Cup final with Carolina back in 2002. I think he's a good coach. I do. Um, and I, I respect what he did against Winnipeg. Some people might look at it as being a quitter. I think he kind of just realized, saw the writing on the wall, that it wasn't working anymore. He had been there forever and stepped away. But, yeah, could Florida do better? Yeah, but Barry Trotz wasn't going to Florida. They can't, in good conscience right now, bring back uh, Quinville. DeBoer went to Dallas, and I'm not sure that they were going to bring him back anyway. So, I like the hire. So, I um, I think that it was probably the right way to go. Somebody had asked me about it on Twitter, so I'm guess I'm answering your question right now. Uh, but uh, I, I like I like that hire. I also like the hire of DeBoer in Dallas. And I, I don't love what happened in Vegas. I mean, they were hamstrung by the salary cap and some things above Pete. 
He went to a Stanley Cup final with New Jersey, went to a Stanley Cup final with San Jose, had Vegas on the verge of a Stanley Cup final last year. So I love Dallas hiring uh, DeBoer. And Dick says, what are your thoughts on the Dallas Stars' new coach? I personally think Torts would have been the perfect fit. He could have screamed Sagan and Ben into the 2015 form. Yeah, listen, I'm a big fan of John Tortorella, too. And I don't know if we really talked about that, him getting the contract in Philadelphia. It's perfect. Here's... Here's why Maurice, I think, here's why DeBoer, I think, is a better hire in Dallas than Torts. Torts is somebody that I think needs to be a part of a team where he can impose his will on that team. Going to Dallas, where you already have Sagan, you already have Ben, you already have some star players, there can be a chance that those players maybe don't want that heavy handedness. And I think DeBoer has a softer touch that can get more out of those star players than somebody who comes in fiercely like Tortorella, where in Philadelphia, I mean, Cam Atkinson isn't going to give Torts any grief. Giroux is gone now. Voracek is gone now. Like So he's got a raw team that's in a full rebuild that he can build that team in his own image. So Torts going to Philadelphia makes sense. I think DeBoer going to Dallas makes sense. I think Maurice going to Florida makes sense. Are they sexy? No, but there wasn't a lot of sexy hires outside of uh, Trotz and Torts. And Trotz, I think, is destined to go to Winnipeg. He wants to go home. Uh, I don't think he wants to be a part of a rebuild like Philadelphia. He turned down $7 million to go to Philadelphia. So that tells you he didn't want to go there. Florida, it's a ready-made team, but it's still far away from home. He would have probably worked something out with the Islanders, I think, because I still believe it was kind of a mutual parting of the ways with Lou in New York. And even if it wasn't, I, I, I think he is destined to go someplace where, A, he can be closer to home, and B, he could be someone that can maybe have a little bit more of say of buying the groceries and being a little bit more involved in what's happening above him. So I think Winnipeg would be a good spot for him, and I think uh, um, because of the situation Winnipeg's in, with still a lot of talent on that team, you know, they almost made the playoffs last year despite a lot of different injuries and eventually had to make some moves when they traded Cop away. Um, Got to get the Shifley situation in order. But I think Shovel Dayoff will work very well with Barry Trotz if that's where they want to go. The question is, can they afford him? <laughs> because if he's turning down $7 million in Philadelphia, maybe he'll take less to go home, but it's still going to probably be in the 4 or $5 million range and, and probably something that's going to cost him about you know four years, $20 million, I would think, at the minimum, to bring uh, Barry to Winnipeg. But uh, that could be a, a, an interesting conversation for another day. But I, I, I do like DeBoer in Dallas. I do like Maurice in Florida. Uh, and I do like um, Tortorella in Philadelphia. I think those are uh, some pretty uh, good hires. Um, Coop says, Don, a team, the Bolts, shouldn't be complaining about too many men anything. Uh, too many anything. They have carried extra players through a loophole to circumvent the cap the past years. They should keep quiet on this one. I, I completely agree. Well, listen, or, or at least if you're going to say something, again, crying, it just again, not that he cried, but boy, he sounded pretty emotional, which is, I think, silly. Um, Jeff says Cooper seemed to be okay with Stamkos bumping Igor on the game-winning goal in Game 6 last series, not allowing him to play his position. But, hey, why let facts get in the way of a good story? Well, I'm not going to go crazy on that particular play, but they sure were getting away taking some liberties with Igor during the course of uh, of that series for sure. 
Um, Derek says, where do you think Georgiev lands, Don? I'm thinking Edmonton is a starter. You know, uh, Edmonton, New Jersey would actually be a good place for him to go. I do not like the Devils' goaltending situation at all. Georgiev is kind of familiar with the division. Um, that could be a place. Certainly, Georgiev will be an upgrade to what Edmonton has. Georgiev is going to go someplace. That is for sure, and I think he deserves to be uh, a starting goaltender. Um, kind of mad Dan says um, they, they, they probably got hosed. That's part of life. That's part of sports. You win some, you lose some. Pick up the pieces and move on. Okay, well, I, I don't disagree with that either. I really don't. The too many men on the ice thing, man, is just one of those things, right? You hope it, they, it gets called, but unlike a slash, unlike a, um, a, a, you know, whatever cross-check, a trip, like certain things that are egregious that really affect the play, a guy maybe being a few feet clo- too, uh, too far away from the bench, a um, hundred feet away from the actual play. Hey, listen, if you got the break of them seeing it, terrific. Not only do you get the goal taken off the board, you get yourself a power play and a chance to even the series. I get it. It's frustrating. But don't make it seem like anything was stolen from you. Absolutely ridiculous. And Yankee Penguins was the one who tweeted out asking my thoughts about Maurice going to Florida, and I think I've articulated that as best as I could. All right. So... Uh, We'll be back again on Monday uh, with Game 5 looming tomorrow. Uh, I think I said my piece here about what happened last night, uh, and I was glad to be able to get some tweets as well. Uh, I'll talk to you again on Monday. By then, we may either have a Stanley Cup champion or we'll actually be talking about a possible Game 7 back in Denver, right? Because Game 5 is tomorrow. Game 6 would be Sunday. So then we game two, game seven would be Tuesday. So, and I'm rooting for that because I'd love to be able to see a seven game series. So go Tampa. <laughs> okay. So we could see at least a, a sixth game on Sunday. So we'll either be recapping and, and crowning the Avalanche champions or, or previewing a game seven. And um, I will try to get EJ. Uh, it could be tough if there is a game seven because EJ would obviously be using that Monday as transit uh, to go back to Denver. But if the series is over, I'm sure we'll have EJ get his thoughts on what happened last night, get his thoughts on everything else that's going on. And and, and quickly, before I go, I, I know we really didn't talk much about the award ceremonies because, well, two reasons. Number one, it was stupid that it was being held during the finals. Um, and, and the other thing was, you know, I think everything kind of went according to form, right? I mean, I don't think anybody is really surprised by any of the awards. I thought Matthews deserved to be the Hart Trophy for the MVP. Certainly Shesterkin deserved um, his accolades for the Vesna Trophy. McCarr getting the Norris, certainly no surprise there either. So um, I don't want to say it was a nothing burger, but it wasn't anything that overly surprised me there. All right, so I got that off my chest. And, and you know what? I'm going to try to get it in the Michael K. Show. Why not? Because, you know, I've been there 20 years and Michael's off. So who's going to stop me? It is, well, and you'll know whether I did it or not if you're listening to this because it depends on when you listen. Back with you again on Monday. This was the Thursday edition of Game Misconduct. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca.